Well, if they're finding their seats, why don't you open up your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Just going to warn you today, this is a long section of scripture that we're going to go through. Um, our author has chosen to make a point by using many, many examples. And so we're going to see a lot of a lot of examples about faith today. So let's let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter one. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel, ordered, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of, the, of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figure, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. 
By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign, armor, foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it live by faith in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Under the cold and brutal hand of the, what was the Soviet Republic, the, the Eastern European Church found itself beaten down and struggling to survive. Their mouths had been muzzled. The doors of the churches had been shut. And because of this communist regime, they, they, they were forced to, to, to live their faith in both secrecy and in fear. And yet during the 1970s, the, the attitude of this underground church began to change. As believers both in Poland and in Czechoslovakia Declared, they, they declared that they, they must no longer take a posture of fear. And so they began meeting openly. 
And they even printed gospel-filled pamphlets that, that they would hand out to people on the streets. Some even put their names on those pamphlets in an effort to set an example for the more timid among them. While these things led to arrest and incarcerations over time, this, this bold movement of faith led to the crumbling of communist ideology. And by 1989, these two nations were free once again. Today, we, we are looking at one of the most beloved passages in all of the Bible, right? Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith. And the reason I think people love it so much is because people love heroes, right? And this chapter is just chock full of just one snippet after another of how God was able to use these men and women of faith. And faith is a theme, is it not? In fact, the, the phrase that our author repeats over and over again, what is it? By faith. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Moses did this. But as much as we love this chapter, there, there, there is a danger that we can run into when, when we isolate it and remove it from its context. For, for if we're not careful, we, we can begin idolizing the people who are mentioned because of their great faith rather than the God who, who gave that faith to them in the first place. You, you see, there, were, there, there was a reason our author wrote these things. Because he was writing to a church that was, if you remember, under heavy pressure of persecution. And so our author wanted them to, to look at these examples of old. Examples of people who live by faith in order to see that they too could live by faith. Now, if you remember from chapter 10, our, our author, he had just instructed, instructed this church and instructed us uh, on the importance of perseverance. The, both, the, both the how to, how to persevere, and why we should persevere. But, but then he ended this section, ended chapter 10 by saying this. Look at, look at Hebrews 10, verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This establishes the context of what comes next. This, this great hall of faith is, is about understanding that the Christian life is a life lived by faith. And a life lived by faith is really the only kind of life that truly pleases God. And so this is a challenge to the reader. To live their life boldly. To live by faith. But before we can live by faith, we must first define what faith is. Am I right? Look at, look at our first verse in our chapter. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let me break this down for you. Let's look at this word faith. Let's, 
Let's go to the original Greek word and see what this word actually means. Uh, it, it is the Greek word pistis. Um, and it can be defined as faith. It can be defined as belief. It can be defined as trust or, or a confidence and, and assurance. It, it is the, the conviction of something that is true. For example, before they put a man on the moon, the, the people of NASA needed to have faith that they would be successful, right? They didn't just construct, randomly construct a rock, rock and just said, oh, well, let's, let's see if it gets to the moon. No, they, they hired scientists, they hired engineers, those who would crunch the numbers. They, they built prototypes, they ran tests. They did all this before they did the actual thing, right? Yet when the time came, these people, they were confident. Confident that it would work. And why were they confident? Because they had done their homework. Right? In other words, they had faith. The type of faith that is called for in the Bible is no different. It is a belief upon evidence. Here's what you need to understand. Biblical faith isn't some far-fetched hope in fairy tales and legends. No. Rather, it is a confidence based on historical facts of God revealing himself to his people in various ways. And the greatest revelation that God had given came in the form of Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins, and rose from the dead victoriously. I mean, after all, isn't this how our author started his letter? Don't you remember back in Hebrews 1? Look, look, at, look at verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so when we are talking about faith, we are not talking about some blind trust. Rather, we are, we are talking about things that are tangible, things that are logical. And this is why when our author defines faith for us, he, he uses words such as assurance and conviction. The, these are words that convey a, a solid foundation or, or the, the evidence of proof. And so faith, it, it isn't a belief based on nothing. Rather, it is a persuasive argument that, that, that cannot be denied. God has revealed himself to his people in a way that cannot be refuted. And he has done so through his son. And yet in the same breath, our author speaks of things that are future and that cannot be seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. In other words, because of who God is, because of his past revelation to us, we, we are now to move forward with a confident trust in God and in his promises. 
And this is what is meant by biblical faith. And that is what we'll see as we journey through this chapter. People demonstrating assurance of things hoped for, which speak of things that will occur in the future, but have not yet happened. And people demonstrating the conviction of things not seen, which, which speaks of things that are present and yet are reliant upon the unseen God. And so as we go through this list, pay close attention to these two categories. But before we get there, our author has one more point to make, one more thing to point out. Look at, look at verse 2. It says this, For by it the people of old received their commendation. For by it the people of old received their commendation. For by what? By faith. Right? You see, what we are about to enter is a hall filled with biblical examples of those who were commended by God because they lived their life by faith. This means that God is pleased with them. Why, are they, why is God pleased with them? Because they chose to live their life boldly, trusting in him for both his future promises and his unseen faithfulness. In other words, they chose to live by faith. You see, it's not so much that they lived these perfect lives, because they didn't. If you go through this list, you're going to find a bunch of sinful, sinful people. But it but it's that they looked to God, and they looked to his promises, and that is what gave God such pleasure. It was because of their reliance upon him, and not upon themselves, that God commended them. And, and so God's favor, it, it comes through what we believe rather than what we do. And yet what we will discover is that true faith inevitably leads to, to acts of faith as well. That being said, let's get to these people. And I'm going to ask you to bear with me as we look at these men and women, because there are a lot of examples, and I'm going to kind of go through it rapid fire, so to speak. Um, hopefully you're familiar with the Old Testament. If you are, you'll be able to follow along easily. If you're not so familiar, uh, I apologize, but there's a lot of examples, and I encourage you, open up your Bibles, read it, learn your Old Testament, it's so profitable. Uh, but we're going to go through these examples and try to get through them all today. So look at, look at verse 3, it reads this. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so the first person that our author looks to is not an individual per se, rather it is a group of people. And that group of people is the people of God. Those who believe that the, the visible, tangible creation was created by the invisible God. And so this is an example of a conviction of things not seen. For the only one who was there at the beginning was God, am I right? 
But what about after creation? Who do we see early on that lived by faith? Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Here we see that Abel was commended as righteous because he offered a more acceptable sacrifice than his brother. And it is in this sacrifice that we get another example of a conviction of things not seen. For, for when Abel brought his sacrifice to God, he believed that God would forgive him of his sins. And forgiveness is, is something that you cannot see. Rather, you have to trust in God's heart. And then our author says that even though Abel died, even though he was technically the first martyr of the faith, he still speaks today. Because he has set for us an example, an example for all of those who walk by faith. But Abel is just the beginning of this chain. What about Enoch, the man who did not see death? Look at, look at verses 5 and 6. <laughs> by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now this strange story that comes to us from Genesis chapter 5 is of a, of a man who is described as having walked with God. And yet before death could take him, God brought this man up into heaven with him. Enoch was an example of a man who had both the assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. For, for what does it say? He was a man who believed that, that this unseen God exists and that God, God would one day reward those who seek him. Or how about the life of Noah? Look at, look at verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, hopefully, we're all familiar with the story of Noah, of how God judged the earth by sending the flood. But before the flood came, what did God do? He, he warned Noah and commanded him to build an ark. And it was through the building of this ark that, that Noah not only saved his own family, but he also bore witness to the unseen God. And, and that witness was to the whole world, to an unbelieving world. Noah gave a prophetic warning of God's judgment to come. And so we see in Noah both, both a man who had assurance of things hoped for, as well as a conviction of things not seen. I mean, he built, built an ark for roughly 100 years. I think you need great faith to do that, am I right? But our list wouldn't be complete without looking at the life of Abraham. 
also known as the father of our faith, right? Look at verses 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a, <clears throat> to go out to a place where he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with them of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And so in both Abraham and Sarah, we, we see both the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For instance, in, in traveling to this unseen land, Abraham had to trust in God for this, this future inheritance. And the reason he lived in tents was because he was communicating that, that he was waiting upon, upon God for a city. A city whose foundations were not made by man, but made by God himself. What about Sarah? In Sarah we see a woman who had the faith to conceive a child. Even though she was 90 years old. And naturally that that was impossible. And yet she trusted in God's promise and Isaac was born. And it was through that offspring that God gave to both Sarah and to Abraham a future full of descendants. Descendants as numerous as the stars. But that's not the end of their story. For in both Abraham and Sarah we, we discover a pilgrim's heart. Look at, look at verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Well, what we see in this little interlude is a heartbeat of a pilgrim, do we not? Someone who does not see the, the place where they are currently at as their true home. Rather, they, they await a home that they cannot yet see, a home that is future. A home that is better. And this gives us a clue as to where our author wants to take us. He wants us to understand that we too are pilgrims. That, that the world in which we now live is not our final destination. That Jesus is preparing for his people a home that is both unseen and future. For it is a heavenly home that is being built by his own hands. Jesus promised this to us himself, did he not? Look, look at the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Look at verses 1 through 3. 
Listen to Jesus' words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Jesus prepares a home for us because we are aliens in a strange land. How comforting is that? But remember, we're dealing with a church that's under persecution, right? And no more does, it, does this alien status get heightened than when under persecution. You see, it's when life is good and comfortable that, that we begin starting to feel at home, do we not? And yet, this pilgrim heart should be the norm for all those who live by faith. God's promises must be embraced, even though they are unseen in the future. We must look for, for that heavenly country, for that heavenly city. A city not made with human hands. And no more is such, a, is such a pilgrim heart displayed than in our next example of living by faith. Abraham's story is not done. Look again at Hebrews 11, this time at verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac... And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Here we see that Abraham's faith was tested. For at the heart of his predicament... I mean, what was the heart of it? it? It was this contradiction, right? It was a contradiction between what God had promised beforehand, that, that through Isaac your offspring shall be named, and this command that God had now given to Abraham to go sacrifice your son Isaac. I mean, Isaac's the promised heir. And yet, how can he be the heir if he's going to die? If he has to be sacrificed? What, what this test ultimately did was, was put Abraham in a position where he needed to trust God in both the future hope through Isaac and in the present command of this unseen God. The command to have Isaac sacrificed. And thus our author tells us that Abraham considered that God was able to even raise Isaac from the dead. For in Abraham's mind, that was the only possible way that both the promise and the command could be both fulfilled. But our story doesn't end with Abraham, does it? For we see that Abraham's offspring also look to God's promises. 
Look at, look at verses 20 through 22. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Here we have three examples of, of men who were dying. But even though they were dying, they, they looked forward to the future promise of a nation being born. A nation that would be built by God himself. And this is why they blessed their children. For they had an assurance that God would fulfill that future hope and that these children would one day inherit the land. And Joseph had this same conviction as he prophesied the exodus when they would leave Egypt. And he gave explicit instructions concerning his body. He, he was certain that God would bring his people back to the promised land. To put it bluntly, these three men had the assurance of things hoped for. And thus they demonstrated tremendous faith in what they did. But the taking of the promised land wouldn't happen for 400 years, right? And it would, be, it would take someone who was living by faith to begin that process. Look at our next few verses. Look at verses 23 through 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than, enjoying, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Here we see the life of Moses, which throughout is characterized by faith. We, we see the faith of his parents as, as they saw great promise in, in the future of this child. And even though they were commanded to kill that child, they risked their own lives for the life of this boy. And when Moses grew older, he, he chose to identify with the Hebrew slaves rather than with Pharaoh, even though he knew that it, what it would mean the forfeit of the riches of this world. It says that, our author says that he considered the reproach of Christ as a greater wealth than, than all the treasure that was within Egypt. And the reason he did this was because he was looking forward to that future reward. And when Moses had left Egypt, where did he go? He went into the unknown wilderness where he demonstrated a bold faith. For it was out in that wilderness that the unseen God manifested himself to Moses through the fiery bush. And later, when, 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 Moses, when Moses came back to his own people, what did, 
what did they do on the day of Passover? They, they painted the blood of the lamb over the posts of the door. This, this was not only a demonstration of Moses' faith, but the, the faith of the Israelites as well. Faith that, the, that this unseen God and his judgment that was about to come was true. They believed that the angel of death would come and kill the firstborn, yet they painted those doorposts with the blood, believing that they would be passed over. And so through Moses, it, we, we see both an assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And yet, that faith is demonstrated further in our next three examples. Look at, look at verses 29 through 31. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Here we see both the exodus and the taking of the promised land. Led by Moses, the people of Israel went down to the Red Sea, even though there was no passage through. And yet they had the conviction that this unseen God would rescue them. And thus they walked boldly through those parted waters while the Egyptians drowned. A generation later, the sons of those same Israelites entered into the Promised Land, where they faced insurmountable odds against their enemies. And yet by faith, they were able to conquer a fortified city because the unseen God was still with them. And living within that fortified city was the Moabitess, Rahab, a prostitute of all things. And yet she heard tales of how God had protected the Israelites out in the wilderness for 40 years. And because she believed in this invisible God, she saw the inevitable future of her own city's demise. She had the assurance that, that what these people had hoped for would, would surely come to pass. And so by faith, she, she hid the Israelite spies in the hopes that her own future would be secure. And our author would go on much, much longer with many, many more examples if he had the time. Or the length of paper, maybe. <laughs> but instead, he finishes off with these words. Look at, look at verses 32 through 38. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, 
destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. In this brief but last list that we read here, we see many others who lived by faith. We, we see examples of those who were victorious within their own lifetime. But we also see examples of those who suffered and yet believed in God that he would one day bring about his justice. And yet, no matter the outcome, each and every one were those of whom the world was not worthy. In other words, their faith was held in stark contrast to an unbelieving world. But whether they were victorious in this life, or whether they only received suffering, they all had one thing in common. They were each looking beyond this life. They were each looking for a better promise. Look, look at our last two verses. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. These men and women of old, they were living by faith. They had the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And thus they were commended by God. And yet, even though they were commended by Him, what does our author tell us? That they did not receive what was promised. What were these men and women hoping for? What they were hoping for was an unshakable kingdom. Brought about by an unshakable king. They were looking for the one who would come and prepare for them a city. A, a city that, that they would no longer have to be pilgrims. Pilgrims wandering in some foreign land. And yet we, we who have come later, we have seen this king come. And we have tasted the kingdom that he brings. And thus the fulfillment of the hope of the people of old and the fulfillment of our hope, the hope that defines all of God's people, past, present, future, it comes to us through one man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And so the challenge is before us. The challenge that came before came before to them is the same challenge that we have today. That we live by faith. That we have the assurance of things hoped for, which is Jesus Christ. And the conviction of things not seen, which is the kingdom that he is preparing for us and will bring to us. But you may be asked, but, but pastor, the, the, the names on this list, how, how can I live up to the likes of Abraham or Moses? Listen, these, these heroes of the faith were just normal people. 
They were sinners just like you and just like me. It was only through God's grace that, that God had chosen to use them so powerfully. And so he calls you to a life of faith as well. But pastor, they did amazing things. A, a massive ark was built. The Red Sea parted. The walls of Jericho fell down. And again, I would answer that for every so-called great display of faith, great miraculous work, there were also displays of faith in the mundane and ordinary things of life. A sacrifice was given. A child was born. A blessing was spoken. Listen, God is in the small details as well. And so you are called to live by faith in the context that God has placed you in. Okay, then does living by faith mean that God will grant me success in whatever I do? Again, I would answer, faith leads to a variety of outcomes in this life. Some that we want, and others that but for God we would never desire. There will be victories in battle. The mouths of lions will be shut and the power of fire will be quenched. But there will be also those who will be imprisoned, those who will be tortured, and even those who experience death in Christ's name. It's not ours to decide, but God's. Think about those Czech and Polish believers, those who were living by faith. Many of them did not live long enough to see that communist regime overturned. Many of them died in prisons. And yet they had Christ. They had the, the promise of a better country. Of a better city. Dear friends, whatever be your fate, know this. Faith is always rewarded by God. If not in this life, then in the next. And so living by faith means knowing that no matter what befalls you, you have that eternal reward in Christ Jesus. Bottom line is this. Faith involves a confident action by his people. These, these saints of old, they, they acted accordingly to the promises of God. I mean, they had no reason to do the things that they had done, except that they heard from God. They heard his words, and they believed. And that's a call upon us. To trust in this God who is unseen. Trust in his promise of that better country that is yet to come. Of that city that he is preparing for you. Because in the end, God will not disappoint. Let's pray. Father, we are so, so grateful that not only are you a God who, who moves within this world, but you have been moving in such a way that you have been revealing yourself to us throughout all time. And more than that, you, you are also a God who grants faith. 
you grant faith to, to your people. And so we ask now that you would help us to live by faith. To help us to have the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That as we wander around as pilgrims throughout this land that is not our own, that we would look forward to that eternal city. A city not built by the hands of men, but built by you. Help us to trust in you. That no matter what befalls us in this life, we, we have you. We can rely upon you. We can only do this through the power of your Holy Spirit. So strengthen us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.